Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Basketball and Fantasy Basketball Podcast here at Omnisports Network. Your host here, Bobby Labita, and our sponsor this week are paper towels. Why? Because you're going to need some, because we're spilling a lot of tea this week. That's right. This week, we're going to get into my storylines of the week. I'm going to highlight a player's excellence. We're going to talk about streaks. Then we're going to talk about some fantasy basketball. I'm going to give you some tips on how to exploit your enemies, our weekly leaders in different categories this week. And of course, we're coming back with the Kawhi and Friends power rankings from last week and the season rankings. Without further ado, let's get started with... Storylines of the Week. My first storyline. Stop at your play here. 8.23 left in the third quarter. Warriors by five. And the officials trying to determine if this is elevated to a flagrant one or flagrant two. After video review, Green makes unnecessary and excessive contact to the face. The foul has been upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty two. And Green has been ejected from the game. There you go. When you hear excessive... That's it. Draymond Green is out. Draymond Green got in another altercation this week with Yusuf Nurkic of the Suns. And, well, he did a big wind-up and he clocked him in the head. And uh, there's no way to see that replay and think anything else. And uh, as a result, Draymond has been suspended indefinitely. This was by far the biggest story of the week, getting the most airtime in the media. Um, and it was a bad look on Draymond. This was the first time you saw people in the Warriors organization trying to hold Draymond accountable. You see Steve Kerr saying, you know, that the person who's in trouble is the person who, you know, did all this hitting, um, you know, the one that, you know, hurt Rudy Gobert. He's being suspended indefinitely, so who knows when he will come back. But this doesn't seem like a... My guess is like a month-ish, maybe three weeks, um, maybe a little longer. I don't know. That would be my guess. Um, so that would probably translate to 15, 20-ish games, which feels probably appropriate. And I think if he does anything else after that, I think you have to like consider suspending him for the season because he's a liability to other people. He's going to hurt other people. Um Yusuf Nurkic said after the game. What's going on with him? I don't know. Personally, I feel like that brother needed help. You know, I'm glad he not tried to choke me. But at the same time, it nothing to do with basketball, man. Think about saying that about a, a co-worker. Like, that, that person would be fired, right? Especially like, oh, they, they punched me and I'm grateful it wasn't worse. Like, that that that's rhetoric coming from a, a very tall basketball player who could probably you know, most instances defend themselves. So like, I find that to be scary. And I think what's sad about this story to me is that Draymond was a very important piece in many of the Warriors and, you know, championships while they were there. And I think that unfortunately for basketball players, and this is true of a lot of athletes, there's this kind of arc that I think a lot of big players go through and one part of that arc is as you age you don't you play as good typically and so people's last memory of you is never like when you were in your prime you know we 
think of Russell Westbrook, who gets so much hate now for his, you know, uh, how he plays. Um, and, you know, there was a time where he was everyone's love child. Well, no, what? That doesn't make sense. Where everyone loved Russell Westbrook, where everyone was rooting for him. And then, you know, time kind of moves on on these athletes. And I think it's really unfortunate. I think in some ways that's happening to Draymond and people won't remember how smart he was. He was so important on that defense. He is such a cerebral player at knowing where to be on the court. He was never maybe the most like gifted in terms of um, uh, being athletic. However, he was always so smart and he knew what people were doing. And so I think the reason the Warriors were able to play small ball in a way that we'd never seen before and honestly seen since is because he was so good at being able to control the court with his intelligence, but he's not going to be remembered for his intelligence. If this keeps happening, he's going to be remembered for his anger. And um, I hope that's not the case. I hope that this gets better, but you know, it, when you've seen so many repeated attempts of something just this season, and that doesn't count his, you know, the playoffs last year was Sabonis or, you know, how his leg magically flies into places like, you know, a lot of guys dings dongs, right. That's that it's hard to believe that there will be change, but I will be there hoping that that's that, that take is a, a rotten take. I hope that I'll be talking about this take in a, a future Bobby is a dum-dum. Now, on to my next storyline of the week. And taken away. Giannis, is it this finish? Oh, history! 64 points for Giannis! A couple things happened. Something's going on in the corner over here. And the Pacers... If there is Giannis. Giannis going to the locker room. Going into the locker don't, room. Ruin, don't ruin a great evening. No. The drama continues. I thought we were done. The- Giannis scored 64 points against the Pacers, which is a, a crazy stat line. Uh, that's something that doesn't necessarily happen every season that there's a 60-point game. Um, thankfully for Giannis, if you're uh, <laughs> trying to break the Bucks. Uh, game record for having the most points in the game is that the Bucks were ahead by a lot and then the Pacers starting to cut it down. So you had to bring Giannis back in. Sometimes when you're decimating a team, you don't get as many points as you could because there's no reason for you to be playing, especially if you're a starter and you don't want you to get hurt. But where the real drama comes in for Giannis is after the game, he wanted the game ball, which had been taken by the Pacers, apparently in sort of like a petty, uh, I don't know, like attack at Giannis is the Pacers equipment staff kept one of the game balls, but then it turned out they didn't take the right ball. And so the ball went to the actual ball went to Giannis, we think. But anyways, Giannis had scored 64 points, which is the record. And he wanted the ball as like, to take as a memento is his career best and you know the bucks like record and the bucks are a franchise that's been around for a while they've had some amazing players so to do something like that is so historic and cool uh the uh pacers said that they had a player who scored his first points and so they won the ball for him but like 
He hadn't scored. He had scored before. It it was a very confusing situation. It was very petty. But um, Giannis, I hope um, that ball um, is in your possession and in a uh, sort of homage to that uh, when Jalen Brunson this week scored his first 50 point game Julius Randle after the game quickly grabbed the ball and took it away from the other team to make sure the ball wasn't stolen Um, that was a moment of levity unlike Giannis running into the Pacers like tunnel onto our third storyline of the week we had some not so good history this week Miles Bridges had a historic negative 56 plus minus in a game. Now, what plus minus is, if you're not familiar with that stat, is plus minus is a stat that looks at how many points does your team score in comparison to the other team when you are on the court. So whenever you look at it, that's a really good way to gauge how much impact a player has. Um, this is one of my favorite stats. I I wish it was a stat you could use in fantasy basketball, but you really can't because then you would just pick the teams that win and then you'd only have players from teams that Anyway, because you could be a great player on a bad team and that will hurt your plus minus because... Plus minus is partially a team stat, but if you have the highest team stat plus minus, that shows your effect. But Miles Bridges' negative 56 in a single game was the second worst of all time by only a single point. Um, so while he was on the court, the score for the other team got 56 points better um, compared to his team, uh, which is uh, which is a yikes. If you ever want to look at fun plus minus numbers, look at Steph Curry's numbers during the Warriors time when uh, they were just dominating in their dynasty era. And speaking of Steph Curry, I want to highlight Steph Curry in my first. What's up, player? Player, I like. Steph Curry had what many would consider a low light yesterday's game as my as I'm recording this was the first game in 268 games that he did not record a three pointer. He went 0 for 8, but the Warriors won the game, which is probably the most important thing if you are a um, if you're Steph Curry. Um, But I'm sure it hurts. Uh, Steph Curry had 268 games in a row that he had made a three-pointer. Second on the list for this stat is also Steph Curry at 157 games in a row. And then you get down to Kyle Korver at 127 games in a row from 2012 to 2014. And so you see Steph Curry is not once but twice. Like, imagine how good you are at something to not be the only the first on the list of all-time records, but second. Um, And I think this is a moment to highlight how great Steph is, that this feels like crazy, that he he didn't get a three, so he had a really bad game, but he was facilitating. He was... um, The Warriors, if you're a Warriors fan, last night was probably a weird feeling for you because you're almost losing to the Blazers who don't have a good record. But a lot of players who were not Steph Curry stepped up and you kind of need that. Klay Thompson had a really nice game. Um, uh, Podemski looks really good and you saw um, Wiggins really step up. I think the Warriors have been scared to experiment with lineups just because they hold a lot of loyalty to star players and this happens um, in franchises. Sometimes you make decisions that are suboptimal because of emotion. I think to highlight how good Steph Curry has been, he's underappreciated. If you want to have 
a really fun time. Just watch a highlight tapes and reels, especially during his MVP seasons. What he does on a basketball court like no one else has done. He shot the most threes and he really revolutionized the game and he revolutionized it in such a way. This is how I would explain it. I don't know or think Steph Curry is probably in anyone's top five all time, right? Maybe some people have them top 10, top 15, so on and so forth. And unfortunately, basketball fans care so much about this list of top one through whatever. And I often say it's a fool's errand to compare people across different generations, right? Uh, some players have worse players to play against, but maybe they had harder rules, right? So it's it's really hard to pinpoint different things. However, if I told you today to build a starting five, meaning you have a player of each position, and I think Steph Curry would be on a lot of people's teams because he does something better than anyone else can, and that's shoot a three-pointer. And if Steph Curry is shooting at high volume, his shot is the most valuable shot in history from the three-point line. Because uh, if you think about it, think about other positions. You have so many great centers that you could argue from different eras that should be. You have so many great point guards who have the ball in their hands and pass. Right? You have a lot of great forwards who can you know, like work in the post. But when it comes to just shooting the basketball you would probably build a team that has a three, a great three pointer. And of course you'd pick the best. And I think Steph Curry would end up on a lot of people's teams. And so Steph Curry, I'm sorry, your streak is ended, but the, uh, my hats are my hat, my hats. I have, I have so many hats on Steph and every single one of those hats is off to you. Next, we're going to talk about basketball standings and how teams are shaping up and how the last 10 have looked for some teams, talk about some streaks, and then um, we're going to talk about how to exploit your enemies in fantasy basketball. We're going to, again, talk about the fantasy leaders for the week, and we'll end with our power rankings. So when it comes to how the season is shaping up in terms of standings, looking at the East first, I think you have a clear top three in the East. You have in third, you have the Sixers who are 18 and seven. You have the Bucks who are 19 and seven. And you have the Celtics who are 20 and five, who are the best team. These three teams are all eight and two in their last 10, and they're just killing it. On the downside of the East, you have um, the usual suspects. Unfortunately, you have the Pistons and the Wizards, but congrats to the Wizards for winning a game and ending their losing streak. The Pistons have lost 23 games in a row, which doesn't sound like a real thing to say, um, but that is a thing I'm saying. They've lost 23 games in a row. Imagine starting two and one, and you're a fan of the Pistons and then you're knocked into a coma and then you wake up today and that's what the record is. Whoo! Over on the West Western Conference, you have uh, your top three there. You have the Mavericks who are 16 and nine. You have the Thunder who are uh, 16 and eight in second. And you have the Timberwolves who are in first at nine, 19 and five. The bottom again, you have the Spurs, uh, the Blazers and the Grizzlies. Um, I imagine the Grizzlies will get out of this category as John Morant comes back this week um, for their team. There could be some growing pains, but when you have a player as talented as him, I'm sure things will be figured out. Um, in terms of streaks, we have the uh, best streak 
streaking team on the uh, streaking like, you know, they're not running around naked and getting arrested. We're talking about they're on a winning streak. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers who have won seven games in a row and are also eight and two in their last 10. I said on the last podcast and I said kind of since the hardened trade that I really believe give this some time, they'll figure it out. Um, They have a lot of talented players. They have. You know, a former MVP in James Harden, you know, another former MVP in Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. And I think they'll figure it out. Harden had like 15 assists in the game this week. Um, You know, my concern for the Clippers is not the talent. My concern is, you know, will everyone be healthy uh, since their depth is not as good because they have so many stars on the team? And of course, you know, how does their defense stack up um, in the playoffs? But they're when they're shooting well, like they have been and playing good offensive basketball, um, they've been looking good in terms of other streaks. um, The top three in the East are all on at least four game winning streaks. Um, And in terms of losing streaks, um, like I mentioned, the only notable one is the Pistons, which is uh, I I don't know if this is the most losses in a row. I uh, it feels like it should be close to that, but there was a team that did win only seven games in a season. Which, oh, when teams tank, it is it is hard to watch. This week, I wanted to talk about a concept in fantasy um, that we haven't talked about before. But in talking about trades now. When you think about trades, of course, you want to you hear all the buzzwords. You want to, you know, um, sell high and buy low. Right. Um, Like players or stocks that are going to take off in the market. Um, But the reality is you also need to consider the emotional component of basketball. And so um, or, you know, any fantasy sport, really. And the emotional component is people paying attention to trends. And so when someone is trending higher than you expect, that would be the time to maybe try to trade them because you expect them to come down to earth. And so um, part of this strategy ended up not working, but it could have worked. Maybe, um, you know, it's hard, I think, uh, for me to make trades because I express my thoughts on a podcast. And so um, when I try to sell you Jordan Poole you, and you know that I would I would buy him for a bag of beans and I'm talking about non-magical beans and I don't like beans. I think beans are very gross. I saw I wanted to make a trade offer and I was going to do it in the morning. And then I saw he was playing the Pacers that day and the Pacers, great offense, uh, questionable defense. I thought he would score a lot of points. And I was right that he did. And he had his best game of the year by far. And if a less savvy player saw his last game, they would go, oh, wait, this person's rostered in 90% of leagues and had that game and you want to trade him? Sure, I'll do it. Now, I was trying to trade with a, uh, a player who was a little too savvy to see past my hijinks. But you should think about that when it comes to trades is how can you um, think about when to do it? Not even like, you know, time of the week. Maybe you do it later in a week when they're um, they're more fixated. Right. Um, Players might become more desperate as we get closer to the fantasy playoff time. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to give up this player, but like, 
this really important week, he only has two games and I really need to win in order to make it to the playoffs. And so think about those things when you're thinking about um, trades and thinking about trying to outsmart people is what do they want and where could they be emotionally? Um, You know, um, if like the person has a backup to a particular player, right, they might have certain allegiances or if you know that they're fans of a certain team, you might have people who are agnostic to teams. They don't care. Maybe there's they love a particular player or a particular college. Now we're going to look at the fantasy leaders in different categories. Take that for data. All right, this week I'm going to go over the fantasy leaders from last week in terms of a totals perspective in most of the categories. I'm also going to include a couple of new stats this week um, that I think will help further our understanding of how players are doing. And I'm going to start with the the new stat I talked about earlier, um, plus minus. And um, your top four leaders in plus minus this week were all from the Sixers because the Sixers dominated but the highest plus minus was not Joel Embiid, who was, who was second with 121 points. It was actually Tyrese Maxey. Um, he was the most useful player uh, this week in terms of that stat. Now, in terms of getting into categories that we care about for fantasy, we have um, blocks. You had in third place Chet with uh, 13. You had in second Brooke Lopez with 15. And leading, I think, for the first time this season, but I don't think the last year, Victor Wembiano was 17 blocks this week. Going to steals, you had uh, tied for second. You had Fred Van Vliet and Tyus Jones uh, with 10 steals. And then you had Melton from the Sixers with uh, 11 steals. Again, the steal statistic in fantasy basketball are coming from people that you're not necessarily drafting in the the first round you know fourth you have Derek White fifth you have the rookie Podemski um this week eighth you have or you have also Brunson and Keldon Jensen so these are people who are on teams but they're not necessarily you know the first person um or second person that were drafted so when you're thinking about building your team for next year think about steals as um maybe one of the less um correlative stats to draft pick um, next, looking at the bad, we have turnovers. You have in second, Luka Doncic. And in first, you have Trey Young with 23, four more than Luka. Trey, um, keep the ball in your hand. And then in assists, you also have <laughs> a very similar group. But in third, you have uh, James Harden, uh, again, who had a couple big games this week. You had Luka Doncic. And then uh, with 46, uh, you had Harden with 41. And then you had first Trey Young with 47. So um, again, uh, most assists, but most, most turnovers. Uh, that's happened a few times this week, uh, uh, this season. And then in rebounds are probably not some people you'd expect um, at the beginning of the season. We have a tie for second with Victor Wembiana and Yo- uh, Jonas Valanciunas um, with 59 points each. And then uh, 59, 59 rebounds. Um, and then you had uh, Yosef Nurkic uh, with 64 rebounds. So uh, maybe getting clocked in the head by Draymond uh, proved well for um, his ability to rebound. That's a joke. Please don't clock people in the head. In terms of points, overall points, you had Giannis uh, in third with 144. You had Luca with 147. And then you had Joel Embiid with 152. Lots of um, high scoring totals this week. Now, looking at uh, 
in terms of three-pointers made. You had Trey Young with 20. You had Kobe White with 19. And you had Clay Thompson with 18 and third. Um, I think this week was the best that Clay has looked this whole season. He's starting to get his, his shot back. And um, when I was perusing earlier today the three-point stats looking at Steph Curry, I was surprised to see how many uh, three-point stats that Clay had himself. He's had the most threes in a game. He's had the most threes in a half. And he's had the most threes in a quarter. And all of those were different games, which kind of shows that when Clay gets hot, um, there's no one better. On to the free throw percentages with um, the best uh, 100% shooter this week with uh, 13 of 13. You had Clay Thompson not only making threes in terms of someone who did well uh, and had to make a lot of um, free throws. Uh, you had Joel Embiid who went 37 of 38. And I also want to highlight Luka Doncic who went 31 of 32. Um, it seems like kind of later in the season, you have more of these players who can get hot, right? The, the rust of the off season is probably now off. And I think you'll see um, some of these percentages uh, for free throws go up field goals you know defenses can get better or worse throughout the season so I don't know about that specifically in terms of field goals 50 attempts that were high volume shooters you have in uh, first you have Kawhi who uh, shot a 66 percent of making 43 out of 65 which is um, excellent on that volume <laughs> All right, we're going to start with last week's power rankings for the Kawhi and Friends Fantasy Podcast. If you're not part of the Kawhi and Friends Fantasy Podcast, you don't have to continue to listen. But if you want to keep along with the drama, I encourage that you do so. So in terms of last week's power rankings, tied for second with a Roto score of 74, you have Jesse and you have myself. Finally, I'm cracking the top three. And then in first, the best team last week overall was Rashi's team. And what you're going to see at this point in the season is that as people continue to make acquisitions, I think you'll see the Roto scores tighten up as people become more savvy. The one thing I want to highlight this week in terms of interesting statistics were two. Um, like how I said there was one thing, but there were two things. That is right. Bobby is still a dum-dum 29 minutes into this podcast. Um, and so uh, first I wanted to talk about how in rebounds, at 293, we had two people in first with Jesse and uh, with Kevin, um, and they tied that category. What are the chances that the two people who face each other were the best in that particular category? Um, that's 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 wild, but, you know, fantasy sports. In another moment of fantasy sports, we can also look to um, assist. Kenny had 246 assists, while the next person had 201 and the next person after that had 176. So the gap between Kenny and everyone else in assists is absurd. And I wanted to highlight that not all seven twos are created equal. Uh, unfortunately, um, the aforementioned Kenny and uh, in his battle had a lot of great stats, but he was against Scott, who was a little bit better. And I just want to highlight how close this was. And this is not to demean or make uncomfortable or make you shut off the podcast. Please don't. I need the minutes. Listen, but is to highlight how 
it's important to look beyond just the numbers, right? This is true of basketball as it is for fantasy. A 7-2 may be a different 7-2 for each person. So in this matchup, uh, Scott beat Kenny by only three points, two blocks. Kenny beat Scott by only four assists. And uh, Scott had only three points, uh, two more three-pointers made. And free throw percentage was 8571 to 8563. So if one or two players have a different um, a different game, it could sw- have swapped to 8-1 for Scott, and it could have very easily swapped to, you know, a 4-5 or 5-4 match. And so uh, really pay attention, especially as the weekend draws closer, of what categories are you close in and what categories are you not close in so that you can make sure to, to punt those categories. All right, so your top three in overall season rankings is, is a combination of looking at overall roto score for the whole season as well as winning percentage so these would be my power rankings in third you have kenny kunan in in second and i think for the first time on the season rankings we have rashi and in first you have still jesse fant um with a pretty commanding lead um as she is uh has a very great winning percentage on top of the best roto score um, but I just want to uh, commend, I think we're starting to see in this league different, um, there's been different eras of teams, right? Some teams started strong and are weak and vice versa. Reminder, this is a long season. One single time of going 9-0 or losing 0-9 could dramatically change how someone's record is doing. So for all my fantasy fans out there, please never, ever give up until the, the enemy is done. And that concludes this week's episode of the Kawhi and Friends Fantasy Podcast. Oh,